This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. We're learning a young man that was killed um, last Thursday in an accident. He was hit in California. His two sisters go to Arnava, and they're getting up tomorrow from Shiva. 23 years old. His name was Yisrael Ben Ruven Leib. So we're learning Le'ili Nishmas for Yisrael Ben Ruven Leib. Okay. So, Elul. Serious business, guys. Tonight is real. Tonight is Rosh Chodesh Elul. It's the first day of Elul. Anila daidi daidi li. I am to my loved one. My loved one is to me. Ishlerei matanas lev yonim. Also benal machavero. It stands for like we do on Purim that we give presents. And um, it's a very uh, important time for Klai Yisrael. It says that in the month of Elul, God travels amongst His nation. Like a king travels amongst the peasants. And many times it's very hard. Hashem's always here, right? As little kids we sing, Hashem is here, Hashem is everywhere, right? So what's the difference in Elul? The answer is that the king lives in a castle, right? To get to the king in the castle, you got to have connections, you got to wait on wine, got some mices to get to him. But in Elul, Hashem comes to us, he's out of the castle. He, he goes amongst the peasants. He goes amongst the farms and the houses and he knocks on the doors. And you don't got to wait online. You don't have to have big connections. So, Elul is a special month for us to get close to Hashem because at the end of Elul comes Tishrei. Rosh Chodesh Tishrei is, of course, Rosh Hashanah. And in Kabbalah, we learn that the R of Rosh from Rosh Hashanah to Yom Kippur, which we don't, we don't see with our eyes, but our souls feel, is very, very, very bright and very strong. And from Rosh Hashanah, including Rosh Hashanah, the ten days in between, and Yom Kippur. So there's a very nice mashal brought down that, so what is Elul about? So Elul is to get you used to the light. In other words, light is very good. Normally, light gives you the ability to see. Dark, you can't see. Light, you could see. But if you take someone who's in the dark for a long time, and you take this huge bright light and you flash it in his eyes, he can't see anything. It's too intense. You, you come out of a dark room into the sunlight, you, 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 you know, you're blinking and you, you can't open your eyes. So it's very interesting. It's a little Kabbalistic. So a person who bums around and hangs out till Rosh Hashanah, right, and he's in the dark till Rosh Hashanah, and then he wakes up, oh, it's Rosh Hashanah, you know, dip the apple in the honey, let's make lots of money, you know, well, Rosh Hashanah. You know, he wakes up all of a sudden, they're blowing the shoifah, boom, right? His neshama can't handle it. And he doesn't have such a great Rosh Hashanah because he's, 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 he, it's, it's going from, from burning hot to ice cold. And we, we know, I say this all the time, that in the physical world and the spiritual world mirror each other. And just like in the spiritual, in the physical world, if you take a glass, burning hot water, pour it out, and then drop ice into it, it explodes. Or vice versa. Freezing glass, you pour burning hot water into it, it explodes. You can't go from hot to cold. Therefore, um, Elo, is sort of coming into the light little by little. So by the time you hit Rosh Hashanah and the bright light comes out, you can look at it. You have no problem with it. That's what Elul is. It's sort of the filter in between uh, summer, you know, July and August, and uh, the last two months, partying and what we do in the summer. And then coming to Rosh Hashanah would be too much of a shock to come out of the beach and the whole summer scene and walk into shul, blow the shofar in your white shirt and your white yarmulke and, you know, and your, and your machse, it would be too shocking. So we need this month in between to come, to come up, actually, from the low that we hit in the summer months 
to, to reach Rosh Hashanah. And that's why we have that in between. Now, of course, what is, what is Rosh Hashanah and Kippur? What are we going into? What is this light? What is this thing that we're supposed to get used to? Is tshuva, is, is, is a time of, of, of repentance, of asking forgiveness for what we have done wrong. So in Elul, we have to prepare, you know, for Rosh Hashanah. Now, Rosh Hashanah, we're judged. So it's much better if you clean up before you get judged. Once you judge, it's very hard to get it changed. The same thing in, in, in this world, in American law, in any law. In other words, in the appeals court, the percentage of people coming out of appeals court and winning is very low. It costs a lot of money, and usually you don't win appeals. But the first case, it's a 50-50 chance that you could come out okay. Once the judge says, guilty, charged, that's a whole mice. You've got to take it to the appeals court, to the appeals court, to the appeals court, to the Supreme Court. You can sit in jail for 20 years until your appeals come up. So, so Rosh Hashanah, by the time you come to Rosh Hashanah and you get judged, if it's going to be a bad judgment, it's, it, to change it by Yom Kippur is crazy work. It's very, very hard. So we want to, we want to come into Rosh Hashanah already clean. So we have a month. The Sfadim start saying Slichus, right? I guess tomorrow morning, right? Thursday morning. Oh, you wait till after Rosh Hashanah? They start, and we start the week before. That way, you know, that's where we're ahead. And, and, uh, not ahead, but... And then the nine days we have, three weeks you don't have. So it's, uh, it works its way out. It's like a three-week difference. We have three weeks you don't have. You have three weeks extra slichas that we don't have. So it works out, even though we could use it just as much as anyone else. But so they're, they're, it's already slichas time. So I, I'd like to dig into, um, into, into what teshuva is. What does that mean? What does that mean? I, you know, when I was 10 years old, I went into, I always tell the story, you know, I went into a store and I knew something wasn't kosher. It wasn't uh, lobster. It wasn't uh, cheese dough. It, it was cheese dough. It wasn't, it wasn't uh, a burger and cheese. It was in those days, whatever, Cracker Jacks before they were kosher. Or maybe it was a sugar daddy. I'm not sure what it was. But I remember that it wasn't kosher officially. And most stuff wasn't in those days. And I was 10 years old and I ate it. Right? And I guess I was 14 years old and I ate it again. And... How do you do tshuva on that? The bottom line is I did it. And we know in this world, guys, that you can't go back in time. In the world that we live in, you cannot go back in time. Time continues on and on and on. So our loving God, who loves us so much, even though a lot of us think he hates us, and he created this world to make us miserable, right? But this loving God that we have, he knew what we're going to be like. And he said, I'm going to create something before time, a time machine before time. And that will give every human being the ability to get into his little time machine and go back to any age or any moment that he wants and actually change what he did. And that matana, that unbelievable present, that eraser for whatever you wrote on the chalkboard, that eraser that God gave us is this present called teshuva. Now, that is the biggest enemy of the Yitzhahara. Because if you can imagine that that Yetzirah has worked on all of us to do all kinds of crazy sins, stuff that we came up with that no one else was able to come up with these sins, and he got you to do these crazy sins, and he's always walking around nervous, the Yetzirah, that you're going to take the eraser and you're going to erase all that work that he did in one moment. So he will do whatever he can to make sure that you don't use that eraser that you were given, that tshuva that you were given, he is going to make sure that you don't use that. Ach, wait till Rosh Hashanah. It wasn't so bad anyway. 
he will do whatever he can so that you don't do tshuva. Because a person can live their whole life doing every avera, not, not keeping Shabbos, eating unkosher food, women, every avera that you can imagine. And a second before he dies, God said you can take out your eraser and erase everything that you did. It says that if a person thinks he's going to do that, and he's going to do, I'm going to do all our various, and then the minute before I die, it'll never happen. He'll die in such a way that he'll be very scared, and he'll forget, he'll be mobile. His head will be, you know, he's dying, and he'll be very scared. He'll, be, he'll forget to do tshuva, or he'll never get a chance to do tshuva. So you can't do an avera and say, I'm going to do tshuva. But the Mahamavas and the Yetzirah are very scared. You're going to take your eraser. So the guy worked. He worked on you so hard. You went to share a Boston stream at you every single week. And he's in your head. And he's like, you got to get that computer. And you got to get online. you got to meet this girl. you got to, you got to. And in the back of it, he knows that after he gets you to do all of that, you have a way out. It's a terrible job he has. You have a way out. Because God gave us a present, an eraser. And he will do whatever he can that we don't use it. So tonight we're going to learn a little bit about the power of tshuva. And how tshuva works. And I'm going to give you a secret on how the Yetzirah stops you from doing tshuva. So, let's go to one of the first Averis in the Torah. And that was the Avera of Cain killing his brother. That's a pretty big sin, right? Okay. Cain killing his brother. Now, let's see what happens over here. Everybody knows, right? Says the following. I'll read a few inside. Hevel was a shepherd. And Kayin was a farmer. Okay, very nice. And after a while, Kayin decided he's going to bring a sacrifice to Hashem. Wasn't Hevel's idea. Kayin's idea. Okay? So, Kayin got together all his rotten vegetables, all his vegetables that were ruined that you see in front of the stores that they give away for free. All the mushy stuff that, you know, you throw into the pot and you cook a fruit soup with, you know. So the real stuff that he had nothing else to do with, he said, all right, I'll give that to Hashem. So he brought that for a mincha. Hevel, hevi, gamhu, he brought from his sheep. He brought the fattest, juiciest sheep, goats, sheep that he had, lambs that he had. So they, now you have to look at this, guys. Listen carefully. It was Kayan's idea, this whole business of bringing a carbon. Hevel copied him. But Kayan brought his worst stuff. Hevel brought his best stuff. Okay. So what happens? Hashem accepted. The smoke went up. It went up to Hashem. And he accepted Hevel's carbon because Hevel gave from his best. But to Kayan and his mincha and his carbon, God did not accept. And Cain became very, very angry. Vayiplu Panov. And his face fell. What does that mean, his face fell? His face fell, didn't fall. It means he became depressed. Listen carefully. This is, a, this is the basis of so much that's going on in our generation. He, he, cop, he was copied. Hevel's was accepted. Cain's wasn't accepted. He became angry. Why him, not me? Even though he didn't come through. He brought his worst garbage, right? 
but he still wanted, you know, I don't care what I brought you. It was my idea. I don't care, so I gave you the garbage, but it was my idea. So he became very angry, but the Pasuk tells us, like Yiplu Panov, he became very depressed. His face fell. In other words, he hung his face down. He, he, he became very depressed. He said, I, 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 I'm not accepted. I, I, I didn't get a hundred. Uh, my Rebbe didn't say something good to me. I, my parents didn't give me a big hug. You know, I, I didn't do good. You're right, I failed. But they should have given me a hug anyway. So Hashem saw this. Hashem was very attentive. So, okay. So listen carefully. This is what every parent and every psychologist and every Rebbe should tell the student. Okay. Okay, you, you, I didn't, you weren't picked on the team. Okay. You know how many girls are off the derech because their principal didn't pick them in the grand play in school? Or didn't pick them on the, on the, in the color war thing? They tell me, oh, they only picked the good ones. They don't pick us. You know, we're not part of the school. This is exactly what happened here. And that's it. I'm done. I'm finished. I'm, I'm done. I have had enough of this stuff and they're, they're gone. Right? So, so, Hakash Bokhu says, hold, 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 hold. Calm down. Calm down. Relax. Don't get so angry and don't get so depressed. What are you getting angry for? Why are you so depressed? Why are you having so low self-confidence? Now, at this point, when I learned the Pasuk, uh, Hashem, like, what are you asking him? You, you didn't accept his carbon. Like, what are you wondering why he's depressed? Why he's angry? He's angry because it was his idea and, and his brother was accepted and he wasn't accepted. So Hashem explains himself. And Hashem says, listen carefully, don't get depressed, don't get angry, fix it. Ooh, that nobody says in our generation. Get depressed, take some medicine, see a therapist, see another therapist. It's not your fault, it's everyone else's fault. Hashem said, calm down. You messed up. You brought me your garbage. You didn't do what you were supposed to do. But that's not a reason to get depressed. Halayim improve yourself, say, I'll forgive you. Let the world end. Just fix it. Bring another carbon. Bring another carbon. And bring me the good stuff. No, 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 I'm done. I'm, I'm a kid at risk. I've had it. I'm finished. God, you didn't take my first, pre- my first thing. Have a nice life. She said, calm down, man. Calm down. Just get it right. No. So, okay. So, Shev, it's very, very interesting plastic. I never gave this year before. I just saw this today. It's, it's, it's amazing. This is, this is written by this, uh, Rav Pamel of Hashem, who's, who's, uh, son, this past Sunday was his yard site. So he says this. It's, it's amazing. So, I never saw this plastic before. I'm, I'm teaching Noyach, Pasha, Bereshis. I don't know how long. I never saw this whole back and forth, back and forth between Hashem and, and, and Kain. So Hashem says, Halayim Tatev says, it's not the end of the world. Improve yourself. You'll be forgiven. Right? But if you do not improve yourself, and you're just going to sit there, and you're going to sulk, and you're going to say, favorites, God loves Hevel. He doesn't like me. Favorites, I've had it. Right? He says, Hashem says, Chatas. That's a big sin. Fix it. You made a mistake. Okay. You weren't accepted. Do it again, but do it right. So Kosh Baruch says, if you do not improve yourself, then listen to what he says. Chatas revates the, uh, the sin, it rests at your door. Ve'elecha to shukasai. And its desire is towards you, ve'atatim shalbo. But you can still conquer it. There's a no yudikah What Hashem is saying is the following. 
Hashem is saying, you didn't do well, you didn't win the game, right? That's not a reason to sulk and get depressed. Just next time you play, play better. It's, it's, it's so ingrained in us, like some of you guys are looking at me, like I'm talking from Mars, because it's so ingrained from us that if we don't play well, right, and we lose, that we blame the coach, the team, we don't go out and play again, it's over. And Akash Baruch Hu is saying over here, there's room in my world for failure. You don't have to be the best businessman the first time, the best Rebbe, the best student. There's room for failure. What are you getting crazy about? Don't get nervous. Just try it again and do it right. And you'll be forgiven. This is, this is the basis of teshuva. You do an Aveira, you do something wrong when Hashem is saying, so you can do something wrong and get depressed. You know what? I didn't put on tefillin for, for the whole week. I've had it. I'm done. I'm finished. Get depressed. And that's it. Hashem says, you didn't put it on for this past week, so put it on next week. But if you're not going to try to do it right, so don't just say, think that, okay, I'm just not going to do it right. Hashem says, Aveira is sitting at your door. Because depression, depression is going to take you down into other things. And, and of course, we, we don't have to tell you that any kid that gets depressed, right, so then he starts to try to find things to get him up, and he starts to smoke cigarettes at 14, and then he starts to smoke weed, and then he starts to snort cocaine, and he starts to drink, and he, and, and the chait is ravates by the Pesach. It's waiting for the, the guy who's depressed, instead of just saying, okay, I made a mistake, I messed up, I messed up five years of my life, I messed up ten years of my life, I messed up, I'm 50 years old, I messed up 49, I messed up till now! Because says, okay, okay, so fix it. So now, from now on, just do it right. And that's what the Pesach says. So, if you improve yourself, you'll be forgiven. Then you have to know that, it's, that if you're not going to improve yourself, it's not time that you're just going to float along at the same level. You're going to fall a lot further. Because the bottom line is that the Satan is waiting at your door. And if you give him an inch, he'll take a foot. And that's what the Pesach tells us here. What happens? Listen to what happens. So God is a good therapist, right? And Hashem says, He gives him a little, He's a great therapist. Because first He tells you the negative, that what could happen if you don't do what you're supposed to, you're going to fall. But Hashem ends off, unbelievable, we can learn this in Kirib, we can learn this in therapy. But Hashem says, I want you to know that the Eitzhah is sitting by your door, but you can control Him. Positive reinforcement by God. Check it out. At the end of the whole thing, if, you don't, if you're not going to do tshuva and you're not going to try to do better, you should know that he's waiting for you by your door and you're going to fall. But I want you to know the last two words, the last two words, but every human being has the power to conquer the Yetzirah. How does one conquer the Yetzirah? How do you conquer a Malach? How does a person conquer a Malach? There's two ways to conquer. The Yetzirah in front of you, there's two Yetzirahs. There's the guy who stands, who stands in front of you and there's the guy who stands behind you. The one in front of you, you all know. The one behind you, you don't know so well. So, sometimes, you conquer the one in front of you. Let's go to the movies. No. Let's go to the movies. Nah, I'm not going. Come on, come on. It's, it's not such a bad movie. I'm not going. I'm going to learn. Ah, oh, come on. I'm going to learn. That's the Yetzirah in front of you. You won something very big. And there's a Yetzirah behind you. What's the Yetzirah behind you? Your friends come back, and they're like, Oh, man! Crazy, mad, nuts movie! You don't know what you missed! 
Till the last second, we thought, we thought she was a killer. Then we thought he was a killer. And in the end, it was, oh, we can't tell you because you're going to go see it, right? And the guy's like, I can't believe I missed that movie. It's because Rob Watson said a crazy schmooze last week. And Ello, I can't believe what I just did. I'm out of my mind. They had such a great time. Ah, I, I, and the learning was boring tonight. And ugh, I'm so stupid. I'm such an idiot. That stupid speech he made, it got me crazy. I'm such an idiot what I did. You just lost all your learning. That's the Eitzah Melech When you have, when you feel bad that you did something right, you lose the whole mitzvah. The, the impatious Chayesara, and that's a dangerous Yetzirah, let me tell you. It's a dangerous Yetzirah. Because there are times in our lives where we changed, and we were like really staggering, we were really growing, putting on our tulin every day and praying, and now we're not anymore. And we go back and we say, that was stupid what I did. I was freaked out. I went to Israel. I was so freaked out of my head. I could have had such a good time sitting there like some grease ball, sitting and learning all day. I'm such an idiot. The minute you say I'm such an idiot, you lost that whole year. And the Yetzirah is, yes. So you think, I didn't get you in front. Ah, have, go learn, do what you want. But I'll get you in five years from now. Where do we learn this from? So in Pashas Chayesara, so it's very fascinating. Pashas Chayesara, there's a whole measure, so I'm not going to learn the measure to you tonight. But what happened? What happened? Avram Avinu went to the Akedah, right? Went to the Akedah, was willing to kill his kid. Shemayim opened up. Akedah's Yitzchak, we, to this day, we're saved, we're alive, because of the Akedah. What did he do? What did Yitzchak do? Yitzchak lost, right? Yitzchak tied himself, said, tie me down. Yitzchak lost. Avram took the knife, going to shecht him. Yitzchak lost. He's done. No problem. He killed Sarah. So now, Avram comes back, ah, did a big mitzvah, okay, that's Yitzvah, you know, right? And the son's like, yeah, great. And now, it's going to be really nice living alone at home by yourself. You killed your wife. If you wouldn't have done the Akedah, so it would be home with Yitzchak, Shabbos table would be nice, everything would be here, right? Look what you did, you murdered your wife. So now, the Medrash says, Avram was in a pickle. Because the let it, okay, you did the mitzvah. But now, all Avram has to say is, you know what, I feel bad I did the Akedah because I killed my wife, and the whole Akedah goes out the window. So the Torah, it's fascinating, Medrash. So the Torah says the following. And Avram came, to say a eulogy on Sarah, and to cry over her. In the word libchos, if you look it up, has a teeny little chaf. Why does it have a teeny little chaf? So there's a, the Mepharshim say, because he didn't cry. Because he didn't cry. He cried very little. So when you learn that, you get angry. What do you mean? Your wife died. What do you mean? You, and, and Avram and Sarah were married for a long time, right? A long, long time. What kind of business is this? You, you, you go to a Levaya and you stand up there and you don't cry about your wife? What kind of relationship was this? says the Mepharshim that he was going to cry a lot. But if he cried a lot, what would everybody say? Oh, you know why Avraham Avinu is crying? Because he has regret that he did that kind of Yitzchak because his wife died. So he specifically, intentionally, cried very little. To show the Satan, you think I'm going to feel bad because my wife died because of the Akedah. That's not why she died. And I don't feel bad about it. And I'm not going back on it. And that's the Yitzchak 
afterwards. When you make your decision and you do the right thing and you say, Oof, I wish I would have been, I wish I would have walked with that, with that girl across the street. And I closed my eyes and I didn't look. I can't believe I did that. It was so stupid. The whole mitzvah, the whole thing that you fought to do, you tell her, walks away and says, <laughs> he thinks he won because he didn't look at the girl. He lost because he felt bad not looking at the girl. He just lost what he thought he did. And that's the Yitzhah that we say, take away Take the satan away from in front of me and behind me. But there's another satan behind you. And the other satan behind you is tshuva. After you do the Avera, you have a Yitzhah toy. Listen carefully. You did the Avera. You, you, you ate something nakosh. You, you, you ate shrimp. You did the Avera. Now, what's the Yitzhah toy going to do? He's done. Right? Yitzhah lost. He said, don't eat it. Yitzhah said, eat it. And you ate it. But the Yitzhah is not finished with that Avera. Yitzhah comes and tells you, you ate the shrimp, do tshuva. Do tshuva on that Avera. It's the Yitzhah on that Avera of the shrimp. He's saying, do tshuva on the shrimp, man. Do tshuva on what you did a whole summer this summer. Come on. What you did Saturday night, what you did Wednesday night, what you did with this one, with that one, all the... DVDs, you sat home, you watched 40 million DVDs, half of them were filthy. Do tshuva on them. That's what Yitzhak saying. You did that there already. He didn't lose yet. He has the same power that the Yitzhak has after you do the mitzvah to take away the mitzvah. Your Yitzhak was given the same power that after you do the Avera, he can take away the Avera by doing tshuva. So who shows up after the Avera? The Satan is not finished. Oh, I got him. He ate the shrimp. No. I got to make sure that till he dies, for 80 years, 90 years, he doesn't do tshuva on eating that shrimp. And that's the satan that comes to fight you doing tshuva. Because tshuva, and, and I'm going to read you a gemara, an amazing gemara. Tshuva has the power, don't let anyone tell you any difference. Teshuva, asking forgiveness, what is tshuva? Teshuva is vidoy, saying, Hashem, I was 14 years old, I didn't mean to hurt you, it wasn't about you, I looked at that sugar daddy thing, it looked great, I couldn't control myself, I didn't really know how to learn at that point, Hashem, I promise you I didn't do it to hurt you, I feel rotten that I did it, and I'm never going to do it again, that's the tshuva. But, if you go and say, oh, come on, what's the big deal out of sugar daddies? Does that bother you, God? I mean, come on, I had it with you. it's not the end of the world. But you know what, if it bothers you, I'm sorry. <laughs> if it really bothers you, I'm sorry. That's not tshuva. That's not tshuva. Or I don't want to go to hell, so so please forgive me. That's not tshuva. Tshuva is realizing what you did wrong, and and saying I'm not going to do it again, and not doing it again. Now you're going to tell me, well, I'll ask for Shoshanim Kippur. I said I wasn't going to do this again. I did it a hundred times again, so I didn't do tshuva. And the answer is, if you really meant it when you said it, then it's considered like you did it. In other words, if you get up on Rosh Hashanah, like I got up, I was makabal on myself, that I'm going to be Mavid Sedra every week before Shabbos. Before Shabbos, not on Shabbos. Before Shabbos. One of the things I accepted on myself from Kippur, that I'm not going to wait till Shabbos. I always have Mavid Sedra on Shabbos. You know, we twice, Chomish, once, Uncle's. I'm going to do it. That's it every single week. Monday, I'm going to take it. Tuesday, I'm going to do a little bit Wednesday, right? Guys, it happened twice. I've been Mavid Sedra on Shabbos. I, at this, I've tried this and that. It didn't happen. So now I'm going to come to Yom Kippur. What am I going to say? So the answer is that when I stood the Yom Kippur by the Kaisal last year, by Ne'ilah, I said, this is what I'm going to do. And I, I was macabre on myself and I meant it. Things came up, whatever it is, but I meant it. But if you go up there and you say something and you don't mean it, then it's not considered a truth. Now, so what we learned from 
Kayan, and when Hashem tells Kayan, is don't get depressed that you messed up. It's not something to get depressed about. Hashem said, just get up and do the right thing. And you should know that I'm telling you, it's a Pasuk in Chumash, I am telling you that you have the power you can be the king over him. And Cain said to his Hevel, his brother, they were in the field, and he killed them. So Cain didn't take the lesson. He walked out of therapy. He didn't take the lesson. How did he get to a point to kill his brother? And the answer is that if you don't listen to what Hashem says here, if you don't try to do the right thing, what's going to happen? It's going to fester in you to the point that a person can kill his own brother. So Kosh Baruch said to him, it's not a big deal. You, you, you messed up. Go get your good fruit. Bring it as a carbon. And I'll accept it. He said, no, I'm not doing that, Hashem. I'm going to be angry. And I'm going to be depressed. And where did that take him? It made him a murderer. And I can tell you that I'm dealing with a lot of kids and you know what I'm dealing with Saturday nights in the mountains? And I can tell you that I see exactly the same thing. All these kids at risk, everyone, and adults at risk, and all of us at risk, if we would take the advice that Hashem says, in other words, if somebody else, something that he did is accepted, or we failed at something, instead of getting angry and getting depressed, we would find something that we're good at. Or we would try again. I mean, in sports. I mean, you can't be a good athlete if you give up the first time you lose a game. Because you're going to lose a game. And you're going to lose to the guy who's running next to you if you're running a race. There's going to be losses down the line. But if you get up and you try harder and you try harder, you're going to win in the end. But if you're just going to sit there and say, I'm angry. Because the Rebbe called him back, but he didn't call me back. Or, or my mother was nice to my brother, but she wasn't nice to me. Instead of trying to say, okay, listen, I, I'm going to try something else. I'm going to try to do, do something else. I'm going to try again. Yeah, sometimes it doesn't work. It doesn't always work. But I'm going to try. I'm not going to get depressed because you know what? It's not about me. Hashem said I should just try and do it a little bit better. And I have the power. I have the koyach. That is called positive reinforcement. Now, everyone in psychology tells us positive reinforcement. The problem is you need to do it for yourself. You need to give yourself positive reinforcement. When you fail, you need to look yourself, forget about giving other people, and you need to sit and take out this pasuk in Chomish and say, okay, so, hello, if you didn't do so well, do it again, and you, have the, and you have the chance to win. If you don't do this, it will lead you not to destroy your brother, but it will lead you to destroy someone that's even closer than your brother. It will lead you to destroy yourself. And all these kids that are flying totally out of their minds off the wall, it's because they let it fester. And this hate and this anger festered and festered and festered until it's totally out of control. And this is what HaKadosh Baruch Hu said. HaKadosh Baruch Hu said, just fix it. Just do it right the next time. If you fail, do it right the next time. If you fail, continually trying because you, if you do that, you will be the one who is controlling. The Yetzirah will not control you. Now, what is the power of Tshuva? Listen to this Gemara. Don't try this, but listen to this Gemara. Gemara says like this. A guy goes over to a girl, and he says the following, You are married to me, you are holy to me. 
that why why am I I'm, I'm making kedushin? I'm a nas in order that I am a perfect tzaddik. Now, if you're not a perfect tzaddik, the kedushin is no good, right? That's the way it works. So, guy walks over. The guy did every sin that you know. He's your best friend. He did every avera stuff that you never dreamt about, but you know he did everything, right? He goes over to a girl in front of two witnesses. And he says, Hariyat Mekudeshesli, I want you to be my wife. I'm a Nas in order. I want you to know that I am a perfect tzaddik. And the guy's like, <laughs> guy's like well, they ain't married because this guy ain't no tzaddik, right? Listen to the Gemara. Ha'imulish Hariyat Mekudeshesli, I'm a Nas in tzaddik gomer. Afalpi, even though, Sha'ad Atta, until that moment that he said it, Ha'yurusha gomer, he was a low-life, a real rusher. Le'eneinu, in our eyes, not the time we heard about it. We saw him do Averis. We saw him driving on Shabbos. We saw him sticking lobster down his throat. We saw him doing every sin that you can imagine. He walks up to this girl and says, Hey, marry me, because I'm a, I'm a perfect tzaddik. Says the, says the Gemara, Harizem Mekudeshes. Misafik. He's Mekudeshes. There has to be a divorce here. In other words, we're not 100% sure, but he's definitely Suffolk. How do you say Suffolk in English? Um, there's a doubt here. He might be married to her. So you might ask, what are you talking about? The guy, five minutes ago, he was driving his car on Shabbos. What's the Shabbos? Now he comes to her and tells her he's a tzaddik. So the Gemara says the following. Shema, maybe at that moment when he walked over to her and said, Harry, I'm a Kodeshesli, here a tshuva boy. In his heart, he did tshuva. You hear? The miyad, this is the unbelievable part. The miyad, immediately. Ikrei tzaddik gomor. He's considered a perfect tzaddik. Lifnei Hashem, in front of God. Haraya kloyas v'leib, God who sees your heart and your kidneys. Not physically your kidneys, but that means your thought process. So the Gemara says the following. Just trying to give you guys an idea of the power of tshuva. You got a guy, right, in front of everybody. He's, he, he's Machal Shabbos. He's eating treif. He's doing every Avera that you know. And this beautiful girl walks by and he goes, Ooh, Harry, I'm a Kodeshis Lee. I want to marry you because I am a Tzaddik Gomor. Perfect Tzaddik. Now I'm a little bit of a Tzaddik. I'm a perfect Tzaddik. Right? The Gemara says they need a divorce because maybe the second before he said those words, in his heart, he said, you know what, God, I'm really sorry. I was such an idiot till now. I, 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 I'm really sorry for everything I did. And, and he says that if he does that, HaKadosh Baruch Hu calls him a tzaddik gomor. So, so this present that nobody in this room understands, including myself, this present called tshuva is not normal. You could smack God, kick him, punch him, do every avera, and then in one second, become his best friend. And he says, tzaddik! He's a tzaddik. And we don't use it. We don't use it. Why don't we use it? Because, one reason is because we don't understand it. But the main reason is the Yetzirah. He's like, I got you to do all these events. You know how much time I put into you? And effort and money and great ideas. How to get around without getting caught. You know how much thinking you had to do? That's me. I'm in your head. Right? And now, just go boom. In one second, you're going to become a tzaddik and ruin all that work. I'm not going to let you do that. So he tries to keep you busy. And this, and this is Elul. Elul is a month where we start to do tshuva. We start to get all this poison and try to unravel what's going on in our hearts. A girl sent me, a, um, me an email today. Very interesting thought. And um, 
she's very right what she wrote. She said, she said, if you had a parent that had a child and they gave the child $10 and said, do whatever you want with it, right? She, she said, there, there are three kinds of kids. Well, there's two kinds of kids. One kid we won't even understand. So one kid takes the $10 and buys themselves something to eat. A little small toy in the store. Give him $20, something bigger. Give him $100, something bigger. Give him $10,000, buy himself a car. Give them a million dollars, they'll buy themselves a car, a house. The more you give them, the more they'll buy themselves. Okay, that's one kind of kid. This is another kind of kid. It's a totally different level. You give them $10, they bring you home a dozen roses for mommy and tati, for dad and mom. You give them $100, they go to the Swarm store and they buy their parents a nice challah cover. You give them $1,000, they buy their parents something silver for Shabbos. You give them $10,000, they buy something else for their parents. You give them a million dollars, they buy something else for their parents. They say, Dad, you don't have to work anymore. Retire, I bought your house in Florida, go play golf. Right? That's a crazy kid, right? That's, wow. That's, that's, your, that's the kind of kid you want to bring up. Right? You give him money and he's thinking about me? You're giving me money? I owe you my whole life. Here, I'm giving it back to you. Those are two kinds of kids. Now there's a third kind of kid. You give him $10, he buys a gallon, two gallons of gas and a pack of matches. And he lights up your house. You give him a hundred dollars, you can get a stick of dynamite for a hundred bucks. Gets a stick of dynamite and blows up your house. You give him twenty thousand dollars, he buys a car and runs you over. You know, you, you, you give him two hundred fifty thousand dollars, he buys a tank, and he blows up your house and your parents' house and all his aunts and uncles' houses and everything he can blow up. You give him a million dollars takes out half the country because he's a very destructive person now if I asked anyone here who are you which one of the three kids everybody has to think and most of the guys will say the first one the first one I, if you give me a lot of money I'm going to spend it on myself my parents gave me a million dollars I'm going to spend it on myself I'm not really thinking that you know my parents gave me money I'm going to give it back give them give them something I'm sure there are some guys I'm not, I'm not judging anyone but I myself would be the first guy at least at your age, for sure. My parents gave me money. Yeah, maybe I'll buy something for them for a dollar. But the other hundred dollars, the other ninety-nine dollars, I'll buy for myself. We don't, we don't think in that pattern. But there's nobody in this room. I don't believe. Let me see who's behind me. Nah. Um, the side. Now we're all good. There's nobody in this room, right? That if our parents gave us ten dollars, would buy two gallons of gas and a pack of matches and burn the house down. And if they gave us a hundred dollars or five thousand, would buy a tank and blow their house away and blow them away and run them over. Nobody here. Do, is everyone in agreement? Okay. I hope so. All those who are not in agreement, we'll talk after this year. So, Uncle Yaakov, listen carefully to what this girl wrote me. She said like this. She said, who are we? Avinu Malkeinu. Hashem is our father. He gave us ears and eyes and hands and legs and brains and the ability to say words, and all these abilities. All right. Some of us just use it for ourselves. Oh, you gave me a mouth, you gave me your eyes, I'm going to eat. And I'm going to look at things, and I'm going to use my, I'm going to smell good things. It's all about me. The first kid, that's most, that's where I thought I was. You know, Hashem gave me all this stuff. How am I going to use it for me? 
Then there's a second kid who says, wow, that's a tzaddik. Hashem, you gave me eyes, I'm going to learn Torah. Hashem, you gave me mouth, I'm going to daven. Hashem, you gave me a hand, I'm going to put on tefillin. I'm not going to use my eyes to look at girls. And I'm not going to do all these things. I'm not going to use my mouth to speak Lashon Hara. And I'm not going to use my ears to listen to some rap garbage music, some guy cursing that the curses rhyme. I don't know if he's cursing, but they all rhyme. Oh, that's music. I love that. One kid came to me and says, Rabbi, you've got to hear this. I'm like, I don't think I want to hear this. No, you've got to hear this. He says, like, you didn't even know there's so many curse words that rhyme. Right? This is, this is, this is music. This is, okay, this, right? So that's why Hashem gave us ears, right? To listen to these chayas. Right? These chayas. Look at their pictures when you go past the newsstand. The guys, they look like they want to murder your mother. Okay? They, they got they got gold teeth, silver teeth. They're looking at you with just mean look with chains like, like, we're going to kill the whole world. They're going to blow up the whole world. Oh, Rabbi, you got to listen to him. 50 cent and 30 cent and this guy and that guy. And oh my God, I've got to go to the concert. How many never Jewish kids went this summer to, to these highest, to these concerts? That's why Hashem gave you ears. That's why He gave you eyes. So, so, forget about giving it back to Hashem. So what do we do? We're the third kid. Forget about the first two. We're the third kid. <coughs> more money, I can buy more filth. More energy, I can stay up later at night to watch filth. More koyach, I could do, <laughs> with my strength, I could do really bad stuff. Whatever you have, the more you give me, the more I'm going to throw, I'm going to bomb you a god, I'm going to blow you apart, I'm going to destroy you. This is, I wish I would have known this, she would have sent it to me three weeks ago. Because this is what's going on in the mountains. Here you have, Hashem says, go to the Gaskells. Free air, fresh air. You're young, 17-year-old. You, you, they have cars. I'm giving you a home. An 18-year-old kid with a home in the Gaskells. What are you doing with that home? You're having parties with znus and drugs and filth. So what are you doing with what I gave you? You're blowing, you're trying to figure out, the more you give me, the more I'm going to blow you up. Give me more God, I'm going to do more of theirs. So she, she wrote, this girl wrote this to me, it's a two-page fax. She wrote to me, she said, Rabbi Wallerstein, what's going on in this world? She says, Hashem is giving us this presence, and we're the third kid. Forget the first and the second kid. We're the third kid, we're using it to hurt him. To hurt him, we're using our hands and our eyes and our brains, trying to figure out how to do a virus that they didn't even think of yet. New Averis. Let's develop something new. So, how does HaKadosh Baruch Hu feel? So HaKadosh Baruch Hu is going to stop giving us things. Because if, you, if your parent gives you $10 and you go out and buy gasoline to burn his house down, you think he's going to give you another $10? You think he's going to give you another $20? He's not going to give it to you. Then everybody wants to know. Why do I have? My panos is no good, and this is no good, and that's no good. And I, I, I was sitting, I was standing by a bowling alley, right? Because we rented the bowling alley for the girls this week. So these guys wanted to crash the party. So they were these three guys in a little teeny white car, come flying down the hill by Kayamisha. I'm standing outside. The guy is totally flying high out of his brains, and he just goes right into a pole. Smack! No, no airbags, nothing. It's an old car. No airbags, nothing. Flying. It must have been doing 40 miles an hour. The car is as big as this table. A little, one of those little smack. They're all dead. There's no question. All three of them have got to be dead. There's no question. I go running to the car with everyone that's standing in front. There's no way anyone made it out of that crash, right? The guy backs up the car. That it can even back up, right? The whole front is backs up the car, gets out of the car. 
He's got, he's got a cut on his head. The other two of them get out of the car. It's a big joke. The whole thing's a big joke. Now, if I would have been my car, the airbags would have come out for sure. I probably would have 35 stitches in my forehead. Maybe I would be alive. Maybe I wouldn't be alive. And I'm saying to myself, you three guys don't even know the miracle that Hashem just did for you. Not normal. That you walked out of that car. Not normal. Atzala came in when came. There was nothing to do. One guy had a little scratch. Not normal. So what do you think they did? He said, thank you, Hashem, for the $100 you just gave me, for the million dollars you just gave me life. Oh, God, thank you very much. Nah. They continued doing more of theirs. They waited till 3.30, till the bungalow, till we gave back to the bowling alley, and they were all over the girls, and, and the pot and everything was flying. And I was thinking to myself, what is wrong with them? What is wrong with them? And the answer is, Daddy gave me $20, so let's blow up the house. He gave me back my life, so let's blow up the house. There's no meaning. And maybe because they don't understand what Akash Baruch Hu said. It's okay, you guys got high, you smoked in a house somewhere, you got into a car, you made a mistake, you were drunk with girls, whatever it is, whatever you did, you made a mistake. You just cracked into a pole at 45 miles an hour. Kayan, you made a mistake. Okay, it's not over. Get out of the car and say, oh my God, I should be dead. I don't believe the car. I don't know how it pulled back, because after that, it was dead. It started smoking, it was finished. It had like an adrenaline rush, the car. I don't know <laughs> how it backed off that pole. I have no idea. But they backed off the pole, and then it just died. The whole car just died. And, I, and, and it's like, they should come out and say, because you just gave me a million dollars. I love you for it. What can I buy you, Hashem? What can I do for you? You know what? I'm, I'm going I'm to go buy myself a pair of fill-in. Tomorrow, I'm going to start going to Minion. Nothing. Nothing. No tshuva. Nothing. And this is a problem that a lot of us have because we don't, we don't realize what the present, if we understood the two presents that Hashem gave, which are the two most abused presents, which is tshuva and is Shabbos. And Shabbos we throw in his face all the time. The greatest present of all, Shabbos, right? Which is totally abused. These are HaKadosh two greatest presents that he gave Klai Yisrael is tshuva. There's a whole question of a guy who can do tshuva. It's a very big question on it. But we can do tshuva. Everyone in this room can do tshuva. And the reason I'm giving you this chabur tonight, it's not a funny chabur, it's not a chabur full of stories, is because this is what Elul is about. It's starting tonight. Tonight's your chance to sit in your bed and say, when I was 14 years old, when I was 18 years old, yesterday, Hashem, I did this. I don't hate you. I didn't do it to hurt you. I did it because I'm a piece of schmutz, and I have no strength, and I have no kayak, and I can't fight the Yitzhar, and I'm really sorry, and I'm not doing this anymore. That's how you have to start. Then by the time you get to Rosh Hashanah, will give you a good stamp. Not everybody who came to last for Shoshana is here again, guys. There are thousands, tens of thousands of Jewish people that are not here anymore. That last for Shoshana didn't get stamped for life. And many of us know people that are not here that died this year. It's not a guarantee you walk into Shoshana because you dip the apple in the honey, right? That you're going to get life. Now's your chance. Now's your 30 days before the court case to prepare. Only an idiot walks into a court case unprepared. If you know, my court case is in 30 days, and I'm up for life. So in the 30 days, we need to show the judge that you can give me presents, and I know how to use them. I just told the girl tonight, she's getting married tomorrow night. So I said to her, I said, if you go to your wedding, and during your wedding, instead of dancing around and worried about the food and my gown and my hair and my dress and my shoes and the pictures 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 and the pictures, Pictures of the Yetzirah. I, I, I know the photographers here. The pictures of the Yetzirah to take away the people's mind of what the wedding's really about. It becomes a picture thing. It becomes a picture thing. Everyone's sitting downstairs for two hours. They're taking pictures. Right? You want to dance with the chassan? 
Right? The Rebbe wants to answer the chasmic guy. It happened to me so many times. He pushes me away. I'm like, excuse me? We've got to take a picture. <laughs> Without you. So, so the, 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 whole, the whole wedding became pictures and nobody understands. What, what is a wedding? Why do we have weddings? And the reason we have a wedding is so that when you're in that happiness, you could say, Hashem, you gave me this happiness, I'm giving it back to you. So I said, a person whose wedding is on a high, they're getting married, and they're on a high, they're standing on a chuppah, and they're like, wow, look at this beautiful girl, she's crazy enough to marry me, I can't believe this. How did you pull this off, God? She's such a smart girl, she has such high marks. She's willing to marry me? Oh my goodness, amnesia, total amnesia. You know, I love you, Hashem, that you pulled this off for me. Oh my goodness, right? And you're standing there and you're really happy and your family's there and everyone's there. And you have that moment of happiness. It's a moment to say to Hashem, Hashem Thank you, Hashem. So Hashem will say, huh? So by the wedding, he said, thank you. So that means if I give him a kid, he's going to even say bigger thank you. So let's give him a kid. And let's give him money. And let's give him grandchildren. And let's give him a lot of Yiddish Shanachas. Because you know what he does with Yiddish Shanachas? He doesn't take pictures of it. He gives it back to me. And he thanks me for it. And that's the secret of wedding. She asked me, give me a bracha, give me this. That's the secret I told her. That's the secret of your wedding. Forget the pictures, forget the gown, forget the flowers, forget everything. The secret of your wedding is to take this happiness that you never felt before, because now you're married to a guy, right? You never had this before. And take this happiness and give it to Hashem. I promise you, the biggest bracha I can give you is that advice. Because if Hashem says that you're giving him your happiness, you're saying thank you, so of course I'll give more. If, if I give something to someone and he says thank you and he appreciates it and he calls me back the next day and says, by the way, thank you very much for yesterday. And then he writes me a letter, a thank you letter. And then he sends me a text message. And then he writes me another letter. And then a year later on the yard side of the favor I did for him, you know, a year, exactly a year later, he goes, I didn't forget what you did for me last year. Don't I want to do more favors for this person? But the guy that I did a favor, he never calls me and he spits at me and he walks away from me. I'm like, <laughs> We'll see when I do that again. Not that Hashem has those emotions, but there's a thing called Akar Satayv. So, so we have, now we should have Akar Satayv, that we have tshuva, that any guy in this room you can wipe off, you can go back in time, and you can not only change it, but if you do it with love, you can, I can go back to that sugar daddy when I was 15 years old, and I can turn it into a Wiseman's cake. Isn't that crazy? I can go back and turn it into a Wiseman's cake. I can go back to the McDonald's that you ate in when you were 16 years old, Right, and you had that cheeseburger, and you can go back and change it into washing, hamotzi, kosher delight, and benching. Now, all the malachim are going to be very upset at that. Because when they show you a movie after you die, right, they're going to say, eh, 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 that was edited. I was there when this punk ate that cheeseburger. Don't give me no kosher delight washing hamotzi business. And the answer is that Akash Baruch Hu gave us that present. That you could go back like a good screenwriter, right? Like the best screenwriter. And you could cut and paste and tape and put in what you want to put in. That's called tshuva me'ahava. Tshuva me'ira means I don't want to go to hell. So Hashem, I'm sorry, I don't want to burn in hell. That doesn't turn it into a mitzvah. What happens is on that day when you ate that burger, it's going to be blank. So everyone's going to sit there when they're watching your movie and they're going to say, hey, you did something. We don't know what it was because you, you did tshuva and it was erased. But you were doing something at 9.30 p.m. on September 14th, 19th, whatever it is. We don't know what it was. There's a little busha there. You weren't learning, that's for sure. But if you do tshuva me'ahava, then you could have been doing the worst of era. You could be sinning and doing the worst of era and they'll show you in yeshiva. Because... When you feel bad, what you did, 
and you feel like I shouldn't have done that, it was the wrong thing, and it would have been much smarter if I would have been learning at that time, I'm sorry Hashem, then HaKadosh Baruch Hu is the editor of your movie. He's the Spielberg, Lahavdal. Okay? He's the Spielberg. He's better than Spielberg. And he will edit your movie for you. Is that the greatest blessing that anyone can ask for? And so many of us, no, don't edit my movie. I want to see me eating the tray. I want to see me with the girl. Leave it the way it is. Ayve. Ay the busha. Ay the punishment. Ay what we have to go through. So here's Elul. I love you, Hashem says. I am to my loved one. My loved one is to me. Here it is, guys. Here's your chance. Now, because I gave you the chance and I told you, do you think you're going to walk out and do tshuva tonight? Yitahar is sitting there. Nah, chavshom. Yitahar is somewhere in the room laughing. Ah, don't worry. By the time they leave your shin, they get home. They'll be doing new averis. They're not going to do tshuva. Tshuva is very important. Okay, so let's finish with a Rambam that I learned very often. But you hear, the Gemara says that in one second, you can become a tzaddik gamor. And the Torah says, the Torah says, you have the power to capture Yitahar. God is telling us that. So who can tell you that's not true? God says that every guy in this room has the power to capture Yitzhara. It's a posik in Pashas, Horatius. All right. So, I don't want to scare you. I do want to scare you. But I'm just going to read you a short Ramam in Hilchus Tshuva. And he says the following. Psukim hara yesh There are many psukim in the Torah. There are many psukim in the Torah. It's a very basic, very important Ramam. That... Contradict. And many people make a mistake. And they think, This is the biggest question in Judaism that I'm addressing. I'm not going to give it the right amount of time, but listen to what he says. Many of us think that there is no choice when it comes to good and bad. There's no Bechira that whatever a person is going to do is already written. And everyone says, because Hashem knows what you're going to do. If Hashem knows what you're going to do, you don't have a choice. And the answer to that is, in the world of no time, Hashem only knows what you're going to do because He did it. Okay. Think about that. It's sort of like a video. If you go to a basketball game, and you're at the game, and there's two seconds left, and the guy's about to shoot, and there's a guy underneath the basket, and you say, pass it, don't shoot from there! And the guy doesn't listen, he shoots and he misses. Game's over, they lose. Right? Now your friend comes home and you, and you, you videoed it. You don't tell him what happened. And he's sitting there and there's two seconds left and he's screaming, Pass it! Don't shoot it! And you're saying to yourself, That's not what happened. He's going to shoot it and he's going to miss and they're going to lose. What do you mean? This guy's watching the game and the answer is that because he shot it and he missed it, you can't change that. That's what happened. And therefore when the guy's watching the video, that's what happened. doesn't mean that there is no Bechira by the guy who's watching the video, because it already happened. So in a world of no time, Hashem sees every avera you're doing before you did it, because you did it. <laughs> Figure that out. Okay. Anyway, think about it, but that's what the Zayar explains. In a world of no time, so you have to get yourself out of your head, out of a world of time. So he's saying over here that a lot of us think, uh, it's not my fault, uh, it's supposed to happen, it's in the stars, right? And we think, it's not my heart that's getting me to do this. I do whatever Hashem wanted me to do, and He wanted me to do an Avera that was ready written. He says, This is the Rambam, don't forget. He says, I can explain to you all those Psukim. He says, When a person does a sin, 
God knows how to pay him for it. Certain sins you get punished in this world, in your body, or with your money, to lose children when they're young, or young children, because he says, why would young children die? Because children who are not old enough to have knowledge, they're considered like things that you own. And therefore, since the punishment is that you're going to lose things that you own, they're one of them. Chas v'shalom. He says that a person dies for his own sins only when you become an ish, and that's 13 years old. So never a young child can die for his father's sins. He says there's certain sins, you don't get punished in this world. You get punished only in the next world. And it doesn't hurt you in this world. And there's certain sins, you get smacked for it here, and you get smacked for it there. Now, my way of teaching guys to get close to Hashem is not by making you get scared. You know that. That's not where I come from. But you do need to know. It would be very false for me to tell you what would happen to you if you don't drive with a seatbelt, and you're going 90 miles an hour, and you hit a wall. It would be very wrong for me not to tell you that you're going to go through that windshield, into that world, and there will be nothing left of you, and they will scrape you off the wall. If I don't tell you that, and I'm giving you a car, and I'm not, and I'm, and I'm not telling you to put your seatbelt on, then I'm doing a big avera. So even though I don't like to do this, I don't like to scare people, it's not the way to do it, but if I don't do this, I'm also doing a, a, a something wrong. Because like, people like to say, oh, everything's good, everything's nice, God is forgiving, God, God is great, you know, like the Christians, you know, I'll do whatever I want, then I'll go to the priest and say, you know, say three holy Marys and, and have a nice day and write a donation and, you know, everything's great. So I killed 34 people, but I, you know, it doesn't work that way. It doesn't, Judaism is not that type of religion. There's consequence. Big time consequence, guys. Big time consequence. Sometimes your children, sometimes your money, sometimes this world, sometimes the next world, sometimes this world, your children, your money, and the next world. Big time consequence. Rambam. I'm not saying this. But you have a way out. You can do tshuva. There's a way out. There's a door out of the mine. You can get out. But you have to use it. If you don't use it, then it's a waste of time. Says the Rambam, I'm scaring you. What am I talking about? That's when you don't do tshuva. But if you do tshuva, if you ask forgiveness, the tshuva will save you from all these terrible things. Just like, listen carefully, just like a person, don't you blame it on God. Don't you say it was forewritten, says the Rambam. That's not what's happening here. He says, a person sins because he wants to sin. And a person sins with his head. Oh, we use our head when it comes to sinning. How to get away, how to make it better. We know how to use our head. He says, the same way that when you sin, you use your knowledge and you use your will. When you do tshuva, you have to do it midatoy, willingly, with your das, with wisdom, and with your will. The same way you did the Avera is the same way that the person has to do tshuva. And I was just talking to someone who said, I have a friend who's an atheist. The Rambam says there are no atheists in the world. It doesn't exist. And anyone who tells you they're an atheist, they're a liar. They know there's a God, but they've got to get rid of God. Because if you want to be a homosexual, there can't be God, because God says that homosexuality disgusts him. And if you want to sleep with women when they're married, 
right? There can't be God, because it says you cannot commit adultery. And if you want to steal from people, there can't be God, because it says you cannot steal. So the Rambam says that any guy that walks around and says, they don't believe in this Yiddishkeit and Judaism and these rabbis and this Torah, the Rambam says, liar! Liar! He knows there's a Torah and he knows there's a God. He just wants to mess around. He has lust and he has taiva, and the only way to do that without, without your conscience bothering you is saying there's no Hashem. There's no Hashem. I can do whatever I want. There are no atheists. The Rambam, who was the, one of the wisest people that ever lived, says there are no atheists. And any guy comes to you and says, no, no, the, the world came from an explosion. Hey, man, you're not that stupid. You're not that stupid. Because who created the things that exploded? Uh, mm, uh, the gases. Who created the gases? Uh, you know, molecules. And who created the molecules? Darling, somebody created something. So the person's stuck, you know. But ah, I still don't believe in it. And the reason it is because you want to party. All the kids I met in the mountains that are partying, right? Everyone has a different excuse why he's not religious anymore. And I'm like, you know why you're not religious? Because you want to sleep with this girl. Because you want to smoke up. Because you want to drive around on Shabbos. <coughs> not because your Rebbe didn't look at you the right way. He was cross-eyed. Or not because your Rebbe gave you a 60. Because my Rebbe gave me a 60 and looked at me and knocked the, I don't want to say what, out of me. And I'm not being Michal Shabbos. So I got beat up a lot more. Our generation, these kids up there in the mountains, all these kids, all you guys, that feel so bad for yourself, forget about it. My generation, they killed us. You got hit once in your life? I'm abused? You want to know what abuse is? My generation, and we didn't get abused. My father-in-law and my father in Europe, they killed them. They killed them. They beat them to a pulp. And you know what? They all kept Shabbos. And they all ate kosher. And they didn't sleep with girls who were 14 years old. And they weren't smoking up. And they weren't on Prozac. And they weren't on 100 other medicines. And they weren't in therapy. They were abused. They got killed. Killed. I had welts on my back. Okay? Swollen well. And you know what? My father should hit me more. He didn't hit me enough. That's right. He didn't hit me. He would hit me more. Maybe I would have been a Rebbe, a better Rebbe than I am. So this generation who has everything, the iPod and the Shmipod and the this and that, and God forbid, you're not allowed to, you're not allowed to you're not allowed to say this kid failed. You're not allowed to use the word fail because the psychologists in the school tell you, you should fail! You know what you did to all of them? They're finished! My Rebbe used to read, Wildstein 45! And I felt bad. So you know what? I tried next time to get a 55 or a 65. Oh, now I'll do nothing like that. Nothing. I'll say nothing. So how's that working? How's that, how are we doing? How are we doing, guys? How's the world doing? How's the Goyesha education doing? Forget Jewish education. How are the public schools doing? How are the colleges doing? This generation is doing better than 50 years ago? Not even close. They don't touch 50 years ago. But 50 years ago, guys were flying out the door. Flying out the door. Belt, stick, hanger, you, you name it. Anything that wasn't tied down, they used. Anything. Yeah? So what happened? So... I'm not saying that you should beat your kids because it's already so ingrained into our society that if you beat a kid, then he, he's not going to know how to handle it because no, no one else is going through that. But the Torah talks about, you know, there's a time to hit the rock and there's a time to speak to the rock. So when a person does something wrong, you have to understand you did something wrong. Don't make it all of a sudden, I didn't do something wrong, it's not the end of the world. You did something wrong. So you did something wrong. So now do something right. Don't fly off the... That's it, I'm finished, I'm done. Do something right. The guys who make it in life, 
are the guys that don't feel sorry for themselves. This whole generation feels sorry. Everyone feels sorry for themselves. And it's, it's going to be a big catastrophe. I was just telling somebody, you know, business today, it's very hard to find a kid a job. What do they pay? They pay $10 an hour. Kids are always asking me for jobs. They pay $10 an hour. That's 40 hours a week. You make $400. What are you going to do with $400 today? You can't even buy games for your computer. What are you going to do with $400? So, so what's the next generation going to do? They're used to the, their parents are buying them the iPod, the car, the house. They can't pay a mortgage at $400. They can't buy stuff that they need for $400. They can't pay their bills. All of a sudden, they're going to hit 21, 22, 23, and the parents are not giving them anything anymore. They're married, and what are they going to do? They're going to steal. They're going to sell drugs. They're going to gamble. Why is poker so big? Why is gambling so big? Because people can't make that kind of money working. So they say to themselves, what am I, nuts? I work 40 hours a week. I get $400 after taxes. I got $325. I'm going to go on the computer with my $325. I'm going to go play poker in the Caribbean. And I can make $5,000 in 20 minutes. I should work 40 hours for $400. So the whole generation doesn't want to work anymore. First question, what's how much they're paying? $10. Off the books, on the books, in the books, with the books. Doesn't make a difference. $12. What are you, crazy? I'm going to go work for $12? Do you have school? No. You have a bachelor's, a master's? No. What have you been doing? Chilling. <laughs> I've been chilling. Okay, so you've been chilling. So now how are you going to make a living? I don't know. You know any drug dealers? <laughs> you're laughing. I asked the kids, what are, you do? what are you going to do for a living? What are you going to do? You're 18 years old. You're chilled your whole life. What are you going to do? You don't go to college. You don't even have a high school diploma. What are you going to do? What do we do? We did this. We created this monster. We created this monster because you can't tell a kid, hey, man, get your butt off the chair and do something with your life. You have to tell them, oh, it's good. You want to sit in the chair? Should I buy you a fatter chair? A softer chair? A bigger chair? And yeah, yeah, yeah. Kids renting cars in the mouth. Where do you rent the car? It was for me at my age when I, when I wanted to rent a car. How to get rent a car? These guys are renting cars. They get their parents' credit cards, company cars. I'm like, you're t- you're nine, 17. How do you get a 20? You have to be 25 years old. My father had a company car. Da, 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 da. What are they going to do when they grow up? How are you going to get a credit card? If they steal one. We're creating a huge monster. So the Rambam, he says, some zach. He says, you want to do tshuva? You got to do tshuva the way you did the, the way you did the avera. The Torah tells us you, you you messed up. Hashem said Hashem didn't say it's okay. You messed up, so mess up again. It's all right. Don't worry. We'll go to therapy. You can mess up the rest of your life. We'll find an excuse for you. Did Hashem say to Cain, "It's not your fault"? Hashem didn't say it's not your fault. Hashem said to Cain, "Okay, you fell. Get up. Do it again. Bring me some good stuff." No, Cain said, "No, I'm going to feel bad about myself." And he ended up killing his brother, and he ended up becoming Cain when he became. I'm going to end with a medrash. I said it wouldn't be hard tonight, right? That was a nice guy. Um, I'm going to end with a medrash, a Neridigah medrash, this week's parasha, parasha Shaiftim. And the medrash says the following, Shlomo Melech. I haven't said this medrash in a long time. Shlomo Melech, listen guys, listen to what a person can do. Shlomo Melech said in Mishle, Lech el nemolo atzel, re'edu racheha. Okay. What did he say? He said, go watch the ant. Go watch the ant. He said, watch its way, become wise from it. An ant doesn't have a police. An ant doesn't have a judge. 
He prepares in the summer his bread in order to eat in the winter. Ask the Medrash. What did Shlomo Amalek see to learn from an ant? So he says like this. Rabbanan Omri, the rabbi said, I don't know if any of you ever had an ant farm, but I guess in the Medrash in those days they knew what it was. And they said that in an ant farm, there are three houses. Shloshabatim, Yeshla. He builds three levels, three houses. The Einoi Kinesis Be'elium Ibnehadelef, the Loi Betachtim Ibnehatina. The ant, he builds three of them, right? He doesn't go um, and bring his stuff that he gathers, he doesn't put it in the top floor because it rains and the rain will wash it away. So he doesn't put it in the top floor. He doesn't put it in the bottom floor because of the mud, right? From underneath, it gets wet, it's going gonna, it's gonna to suck it up. So what does he do? He puts it, he puts it in the middle floor. Because the middle floor is protected from the top floor and the bottom floor. Okay. So that's pretty smart, right? That's an, it's an ant. An ant cannot live more than six months. Lama, why? Shemi is interesting biology in the Medrash. Shemi is someone who doesn't have veins and bones. Cannot live, something that has no vertebrae, cannot live more than six months. What does an ant need to live its whole life? Six months? One and a half kernels of wheat. You ever see a kernel of wheat? Pretty small. One and a half kernels of wheat, and that guy is set for life for six months. Okay? So, it goes around the whole summer, and it gathers any beans, any wheat, any barley that I can find. Now, Amarav Tanchuma. It's whole life. It only needs one and a half kernels of wheat. The hikonesis is elu, right? And, and, and it continues to bring in and bring in and bring in and bring in. Lamehi isakain. Why does why does the ant do this? In other words, you guys, right? You need ten million dollars to live the rest of your life. You get a check for ten million dollars. That's it. You start golfing. You're done. You don't go collect more. You don't go to work anymore. You, right? You won the lotto. You won a billion dollars. You're finished. So, so the, the Medrash is asking, why does the ant continue to collect its wheat? It collected already one and a half. Now, he brings down here, if you want to do the math, that it's brought down in the Gemara and Chulin, that the, they, they found in an ant hole, right? If you do the math, it comes out to 40,000 pounds of kernels. Okay? They opened up an ant hole, a huge ant hole, and they found that the ants had gathered... Uh, 50, I mean, the Gemara does the whole thing. It's 72,540 liters, whatever that is. But in the, uh, uh, 51,000 kilograms. Anyway, it comes out in pounds. We did the math to 40,000 pounds. So they asked the ant. They said, ant, what are you doing? You, you, what do you co- keep collecting? When you have your kernel and a half, go to sleep. Go golfing. Go enjoy life, right? Go sit in the sun. Listen carefully. It's such a lesson for all of us. Well, Lama, he came. Why did she do this? So she answered, Shema, maybe, Yigza Allah HaKadosh Baruch Chaim. Maybe God's going to change the nature of the world. That He created the nature of the world that if you don't have vertebrae, you can only live six months. But God can do anything. And maybe God's going to decide that if you don't have vertebrae, you can live forever. And if God decides that, and, and, and I'm not going to have the food, I'm going to look so stupid. God made a miracle, ants can live forever, and we're going to die of starvation. That's stupid. So just in case that Hashem maybe will change nature 
and say that things that don't have vertebrae live forever, we're going to work, and we're going to fill up 40,000 pounds of kernels so that we can all live forever. That's what the ant answered. Said Shlomo HaMelech. Actually, okay, this is Rav Shimba Yechoi says, he's the one who did Rav Shimba Yechoi, they found 300 core. That's 40,000 pounds. So, said Shlomo HaMelech. Guys, look at the ant. The ant, who in his nature, in his natural state, can only live six months, is saying, but you don't know the power of God. And we don't know the power of God. So even though I can only live six months, I have to keep working because maybe he'll give me a little bit more life. And if he gives me more life, i got to be prepared. I'm like, it would be stupid if he gives me more life to die of hunger. He's doing me a favor, Hashem. He's giving me more life. And I'm an idiot. I didn't collect in the summertime when I could have collected. So we're going to collect. If I die, I die. But we're going to collect that if we live, we have enough. To show That's a stupid little bug. If he thinks that way, how come we don't think that way? How come we're not busy collecting mitzvahs and mitzvahs and mitzvahs and mitzvahs and mitzvahs? Continuation. Maybe Hashem's going to give me another day. If I get another day, I could collect more. And maybe another day, I could collect more. And maybe if I collect a million mitzvahs when He makes the Olam Hamel, the world to come, I'll live forever. But won't that look stupid if Mashiach comes? We're all saying, we want Mashiach. He's going to show up. They're going to say, you? You have no mitzvahs. You're dead. It says half the Christ was going to die when Mashiach comes. So what are you going to be, the fool? Because you keep saying, I want Mashiach, I want Mashiach. Maybe Hashem's going to be Mashiach, but you didn't gather the food, you didn't gather the mitzvahs, you didn't gather what you need. So when Mashiach comes, you have what to eat from. So here you are, I want Mashiach, I want Mashiach. When Mashiach comes, you're going to be the half of the, one of the, half, the half of the Jews that are not going to make it. So what would you do? So he says, Shalom says, isn't this such a lesson to learn from a silly little ant? At the ant end, he goes on, and he says... What's the Chachma? He says that ants, and he says the story, he says that they, they run away from stealing. Ants don't steal from each other. And he says, There was, the ants were gathering, these are the army ants, they, they're the ones who were gathering. So he had this little thing of wheat on his back. Right? And this ant was walking and it dropped the kernel. It was too heavy, and it dropped the kernel. Now you have millions of ants there. This guy just dropped his food. Shlomo Melch was watching, and he said, all the ants moved away, and the ant came back to get his food, put it back on his back, and went on. Nobody, nobody would touch that ant's kernel of chita. So Shlomo Melch said, look at the ants. They don't have police. They don't have a court system. They don't have judges. And not one of them would touch the chita of another one. He says, Achaz Kamavakama, human beings who have police, who have courts, who have judgments, how we have to understand that if something belongs to somebody else and he loses it or he, or he drops it, that's not ours, it's, it's his. And, and why, would, why do I want something that's not mine? So when I learned this medrash, I, I found it amazing that Shlomo Melech, who was watching these ants, so I don't feel so bad now that I talk about the butterflies, because I learned a lot from butterflies, he was watching these ants and that the ants were able to say that I am gathering, that they, they have more immuna than we do. They have more immuna. We, 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 we say, Mashiach, yes, I'm we're going to live forever, right? But we don't really believe it. How do, you know, how do you know that no one in this room believes it? How do you know I don't believe it? How do you know I don't believe in Chiyas Mason? We all say, I believe Mashiach is coming. I, I believe 
that there's going to be Tchias Amesim, all the dead are going to come up, we're going to live forever, no death in the world. Nobody in this room believes it. Because if you really believed it, you would never take the chance that you wouldn't be part of that. You'd be sitting and learning all day. You'd be davening four hours, Shemana Esrei. You'd be running around doing chesed. Your kibbutz of would be perfect. Your Shabbos would be perfect. You, you wouldn't stop. If you really believed that there will be a time that I could live forever. I know I'm 50 years old. How much more life do I have? 20 years, 30 years, 40 whatever it is. And if I really believed that I could live forever, like this ant, that, I, that Mashiach is coming tomorrow, and if I, if I did what I'm supposed to, Hashem's going to say, you got a ticket, go to Eilam Habo. Forever! Forever. Does anyone in this room know what forever means? No. You can't imagine what forever is. It's infinite. You know what forever means? Forever. A thousand, a million years, two million years, twenty million years past that. If anyone in this room really believed that you could live forever, there's going to be a time where you could live forever. There's going to be no sinning. You're going to see God. You believe in Tchiyas HaMesim. You believe in Mashiach. You really believed it? There's nobody who would walk out of this room tonight. Who would walk out? Say, am I crazy? I'm, I'm, I'm going to watch television? I'm going to go waste my time? I am going to be, when Hashem comes, Mashiach, I want to live forever. We don't really believe. This ant believed it. He didn't sit back and say, yeah, maybe God's going to change the world and maybe I'll get vertebrae. Or maybe things without vertebrae will live forever. Or maybe I'll grow two big feet like a human being. Maybe something magical is going to happen. I'm going to sit back. We're going to talk about it. You know? I'm going to get my friends together. We're going to smoke up. We're going to like, hey, Ann, what's up, man? I see the next world. It's going to happen. You know, just sit around, hang out, enjoy life, and we'll see what happens. The Ann said to Shlomo Melech, wrong. I'm going out, and I'm working, and I'm working, and I'm working, and I'm working, and I'm not stopping, and I'm putting together 40 thousand pounds of seeds because I believe that God has the ability to change my life as an ant and give me more than six months. Guys, we're not even ants. We're not even ants because we're not willing to go out and put together 40,000 mitzvahs or 40,000 shabbosim or 40,000 times putting on tulin. We're not even flipping little ants. We didn't even make it into this medrash. We're not even an ant. It's pretty sad. It's very sad. So, we have to go back to Pasha's Beratius. And of course, Baruch says, you're a lot bigger than ants. You're much bigger than ants. You see, ants don't have a Yetzirah. You have a Yetzirah. And what does it say in the Pasuk, in Pasha's Beratius? Tekayan. Not only did I make you a Yetzirah, but he lives at your door. The door of your bedroom. The door of your closet. The door of the hotel room. The door of the casino. The door of the club. Shem said, Ant doesn't have yet, you do. And I put him at your door and he's not going to leave you alone. But Kush Baruch said, but you could be moishal on him. I gave you the power to be greater than an ant. I gave you the power to be the king. So you should be the master, not him. And that's everyone's choice in this room. And that's El. Ani l'daydi l'daydi li. I am the master, says Hashem. You want to be like me? You want to be the master? You want to be the slave? Cain became the slave. There's only one of the other guys. There's only one of the other. There's no in-between. You're either the master or you're the slave. Pick which one you want. Hashem went to Cain and said, 
You want to be the master? You, I, put the, I put the Yetzirah by your door, but you could be the master. You could be the master because you have the ability to straighten out and to do what you're supposed to. And Cain said, no, I don't want to be the master. I want to kill my brother. I want to get revenge. He was mocked for life. He became Cain. He was lost. He traveled in exile. He was finished. Over. Or Akash says, you can be the master. You can be the master just like me. Because who tells us in the Pesach that every single guy is much bigger than an ant. Much bigger. You can be the master of your Yetzirah, but don't sit back and talk about Mashiach, because I'm Mason, Ganeiden. Guys talk, I heard it, Ganeiden. Oh, I'm doing... So do something. Don't sit there and talk about Ganeiden. You're not going to get in there because your father has money, we have a credit card, we have a black American Express or a gold American or platinum. It's not going to get you in there. You got to work, you got to collect. And people are going to ask, what are you doing? You're crazy. You did enough of it. The doctor asked me today, he says, what are you doing while you're killing yourself? Killing yourself. You don't sleep. You eat potato chips and chocolate and you got kidney stones and you're not exercising. What are you doing? Right? And he says, you do enough. Work. Talk to kids. Do whatever you have to. Nine to six. He tells me, I'm a doctor. I work 10 hours a day. You can do it too. I was like, no. See, I'm like that ant man. Maybe God will give me 100 years. Maybe I'll live till 120. So I got to do mitzvahs. I got to jump. I got to run. I don't got time. And maybe Chastashom, I won't have that long. So then I surely have to do more. Then I surely have to do more. So, does anyone here know how long they're going to live? No. So, learn from the ant. You can't ever have too many mitzvahs. You can't ever do too much good. I am to my loved one as my loved one is to me. Your relationship with God is based on your relationship with God. Hashem says, you love me, I love you. I am to you like you are to me. You are to me like I am to you. It's a relationship. Elul is the beginning of that relationship. Tomorrow morning, they're blowing shofar. That's scary. They're blowing shofar to wake up your neshama. Everybody in this room, tomorrow is wake-up call. They're blowing shofar. Don't just sit there. Don't run out of davening before they blow shofar. Listen to the shofar. Take it in. Suck it in. It's your ears. One of the things Hashem gave you. Take it in. Listen to it. Let it wake up your neshama a little bit. And this chus of listening to the shofar. And don't forget you have this unbelievable present called tshuva. Use it. Abuse it. Use it and use it and use it and use it. In this chus of the shofar, we should all gather our beans, so to say, so that when we hear the tekiah of the shaifah of Mashiach, we'll all be able to go with him. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.